You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Luke chapter number 5, I'd like you to turn there. Thank you, church, for your hospitality. Thank you for your regular monthly support of our family. I want you to know tomorrow morning, first thing in the morning, I'll head to Boston, Massachusetts. I'm going to lead a a team of 13 people, and we're going to take them to six different churches in the greater Boston area. And there'll be times of evangelism tomorrow night. If you think about it, around 6 o'clock, We're doing pizza in the park event. There'll be playthings for kids, inviting the neighbors out, giving out pizza, and just personal evangelism there. Every day we'll be going either door to door, we're witnessing in parks, all of these things, trying to find the most COVID adaptable way to connect with people. And you pray that God will give us fruit for labors. I've got people coming from as far away as Kansas, deep south, and in the north as well. And I want you to pray that God will use this. This is just during the whole weeks, Monday through Sunday. I'll speak five times during the week and uh, just pray that God will just give us fruit for labor. I've got young people who are seeking God's will for their life. And they're coming on this trip to say, is it here, Lord? And so I want you to pray for them. Our brother here, Brother Canavan, It's good to have you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your burden for New York City. Obviously, you understand the need of the Northeast. One-fourth of America's population lives between Boston and Washington. One-fourth of our nation in population. There's a great need for church planting. You say, well, aren't they like where we are? No. (laughs) Not even close. And you say, ah, it's the culture. No. It's just a long, long time of abandonment of the gospel on our part. And I think it's a little bit of our education. Humanism has taken its strong root. And I think that that plays a strong part in that. Materialism, I can't ignore that either, but that's humanism's gain is that. So I ask you to pray for me this week. Pray for uh, strength. This will be the Second mission trip I lead since heart surgery. So let's see. I lived through the first one, obviously. So let's see if we can live through the second one as well. Just pray for safety and God's health. Thank you for God's help. Thank you for your kindnesses to me about my health as well. I really appreciate it. It has been a fun day for me. You say church is fun. Oh, for me it is. I'll tell you, I enjoy getting to be in church and then really enjoy being with you. I told pastor... The times I've come before, I felt like I was at home. I felt like this is where I would want to go to church if I lived in this community. And I truly appreciate all of you. Have you found your places there in Luke chapter number 5? It's good to have all of you here. Verse 1, let's follow along as I read. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, to hear the word of God. So let me, let's define who him is. Him would be Christ. They're pressing upon him. So if you picture, he's at a lakeside. And he's standing at the water's edge. And the people are, if you will, walking down or advancing down the shoreline to get to hear him. Now, if he backs up to water, we realize water was not his problem. He could have easily walked on it and stood there. 
So there are other things at hand this day. And what we're going to read about tonight is how God showed up at one guy's workplace and changed his life and taught him vital lessons. Note verse number one. The people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Wouldn't that be a novel concept if we stopped theatrical worship and just gave people the word of God? That was just a little freebie. I have no idea why it came out, but nonetheless, we continue. Pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. The indication there is that these boats are moored or pulled ashore. And the Bible says in verse 2, the fishermen were gone out of them. So we have unattended boats, but the fishermen were nearby. What were they doing? They were washing their nets. Why would they be washing their nets? They have every intention to go back to work tomorrow. They have every intention to go do what they've always done. These men were fishers of men. If you will, they work a third shift. They fish overnight, and then they come back in in the morning. They gain their fish, gather them together, and sell them for their trade. That's exactly what they do. Continue on with me in verse number 3. And entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. So now we have the identification of one of the owners. This would be Simon, as we understand Simon Peter. Right, continue on. And prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. Really interesting to me that Jesus is interceding. He's asking him, could I borrow your boat? Yeah. What are you going to say? It's Jesus. I mean, how do you say no to him? Well, people do. The Bible says that he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. So now you see his position has changed from standing at the edge of the water to now standing in a boat or getting into a boat. And now notice further, he goes from in the boat and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So now they can come down to the water's edge. He's in the ship. He's there and he is going to teach them and begins to teach or continues to teach them the word of God. Verse 4. Now when he left speaking, that means he came to a conclusion, he said unto Simon, the ship's owner, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. D-R-A-U-H-G-H-T. If you spelled L-A-U-G-H, that would be laugh. But in this case, it's draft. Now, some of you from another period in your life may be thinking of something else. You ought not to be thinking of that. But some of you are, what? So he said, let down your nets for a draft. He's going to give them a haul of fishes like they've never had before. You say, well, he can do that? He's God. There wouldn't be a lake if it were not his word. There, there wouldn't be fish unless he spoke them into existence. In every aspect, he could do whatever he wanted. And he said, I'm going to give you a draft of fishes. Keep going. And he said, Simon said, uh, answering said unto him, Master, obviously a term of respect. Peter knew who Jesus was. This wasn't a first time meeting. He had a keen awareness of who he was. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. So there's his third shift, right? You work all night. <clears throat> this guy borrows your boat. You're trying to clean nets to go home. Doesn't say 
anything until this moment about how little they got all night. So that means all the fishermen had to go home, talk to Mrs. Fisherman and said, how'd you do last night? And they would have to say, not so much. Fish stories, but not so well. And now Christ said, I'm going to give you a draft of fishes. For real? A draft of, of fishes? So Peter says, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What an, an odd moment. You go all night long, you catch nothing, you get Jesus in the boat, and he's sitting there teaching. By divine implication or divine indication, all the fish now rush to the net. You say, well, how did he do that? He's God. It just works out for you. And so all these fishes are in the net. And then the next thing I see is Peter in a moment. Now keep in mind, Jesus is seated. And it says that Peter saw all these fishes. And he falls on his face before him. So if Christ is seated, how low does Peter have to get to get there? I would illustrate, but I would need help getting back up. But the idea is that he has just put himself before God and he's seen his, perhaps, doubt. He didn't think it could happen. His own sinful condition of his lack of faith. Maybe in his own carnal thinking of what he was thinking while they're saying, sure, we're going to row out in the deep. I've already cleaned my nets. Now we're going to do it again. And you say I'm going to get a draft of fishes. However he doubted, however he worded it, he felt dirty, unclean. That's a powerful thought when you realize that when in the presence of God, you recognize who you are before Him. Verse number 9, the Bible reads, For he was astonished. Well, duh. Of course he was astonished. You go all night long, you catch nothing, and now you catch so many fish that your net are about to break. Of course he was astonished. And, and of course it says, And all that were with him at the draft of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, we're partners with Simon. So now we have the other boat owners there. Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray together. Father, I believe... With all of my heart, my responsibility tonight is to read the Word and give the sense of it. And that's all I want to do tonight. Help me to give the sense of Your Word. 
to these people I care deeply for. And I pray, dear Father, that our hearts will be corrected, adjusted, tweaked, whatever is needed in our heart, that you'll have free reign in us. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I love to cook. It's one of my favorite things. Second favorite, well, you figure it out after you've worked hard for it, and then, of course, you get to eat it. But I love to cook, and if I'm going to have an entree, something that I'm fixing, a plan for an entree is called a recipe. If we were talking about money, we would say a plan for your money is a budget. And if we said there's a plan for your life, we would call that stewardship. A plan for an entree is a recipe. A plan for your money is a budget. A plan for your life is stewardship. It's kind of a Bible-ish word that we use. It probably doesn't get used a lot, but you would understand it as a manager. Someone who manages someone else's resources. And this account in Scripture is directly a lesson in stewardship. To say that what I have is not my own. But rather, everything I have, I've gotten from God. And therefore, everything I have is His. And if I start to hang on to my stuff, or shall I say, His stuff, like it's my stuff, then I'm not working His plan for my life. I was recently with someone I'm close to, and they had gone to camp. She came back from camp and said, I had everything lined out the way I wanted to live my life until camp. And it made me pull back and say, is this my plan or God's plan? You know, all it takes, I, I personally believe, all it takes is one church service and someone's whole destiny is changed. It takes one church service and someone who will submit their resources back to God and all of a sudden someone's lives change, life is changed. Someone arrives on a mission field somewhere. Someone gets the gospel and we realize my life's plan ought to be just managing what God gave me. Peter, all he did was he got up and went to work that day. And he learned that day that everything he does and everything he spends and everywhere he goes and every decision he makes, every yes he gives, every no he gives are all part of the life plan from God. He said, well, Brother O'Malley, I've got a lot going on in my life. I don't need a new plan. Probably not, but you, I just want to ask you, is your plan God's plan? <laughs> That's just getting too much in my business. But you'll be frustrated if you're living your plan out and all the while God is saying, I have stuff I need you to do. I can't do that because I made all these commitments and I made all these decisions. And Peter gets up, goes to work, and finds his whole life changed. Everything from this moment was going to be completely different. He went to work a fisher of fish and came home a fisher of men. And his whole life changed. 
Christ didn't tell him everything that was going to happen while he was sitting there on his boat. All he showed him was, I am God and I can supply your need. Wish we could learn that ourselves. I think a lot of people spend their days completely frustrated by their trying to live out their own plan instead of God's. Stewardship says, I own nothing and everything I have belongs to Him. You want me to spend this? I have to check with my owner. You want me to go where? I need to ask my owner. You want me to say yes to this? I need to ask my owner. So, Brother O'Malley, I don't have time to live my life that way. And that's why you're frustrated. If you just simply made every decision based on a life plan, a plan for my life is stewardship. So everything I have, I got from God. And everything I do with what He gives me is stewardship. I'm simply managing His resources. Where did the boat come from? Where did the nets come from? From where did He get strength and energy? Now some of you guys may be thinking, see, this is the message. I get to buy a boat. After this sermon, I get to buy a boat. Keep listening. <laughs> you get to give away a boat, okay? So, but just stay with me in this. As I look at this passage of Scripture, this was not just Christ calling disciples to follow Him, but rather this was a lesson for them to learn. As the song was sung, He is all I need. Everything I need is in Him. See, stewardship changes how you look at things. Stewardship changes how you start stuff. Stewardship determines when you end stuff. Stewardship determines what you say yes to and to what you say no. Stewardship change how, changes how successful you are in what you do because you realize, I'm not in this for my gain. I'm not in this to buy a bigger boat. I'm just in this to say, He just wanted to borrow my boat. He wanted to borrow to teach others the Word of God, and He did so, and just like Christ does, whatever He borrows, He returns better. I look at this passage of Scripture. I think it's wise for you and I to ask ourselves at this point in the message, God, what have you put in my life and in my hands right now for you to use to reach the world? My car, my house, my income, my kids, my spouse, myself. What's in my life right now that you want to use. You put it in my hands. There's no question it's in your hands. But what you do with it is your stewardship. So Peter is here in this moment. And he has to decide, am I going to submit to God what he's asking for? You say, well, Brother O'Malley, everybody knows it'd be foolish to wrestle with God. You may intellectually know that but emotionally you would probably be more honest to say i know what it's like to wrestle with god about submitting this to him and peter was in that moment 
I really have five points to my message. But I really have three other points I want to give. But I don't want to scare you by saying I have eight points. So think of it as the first part of the message is three points. Then the second part of the message is five points. Three things I've learned about stewardship. Number one, I listen to Him. I see this in the Word of God as Peter is listening to God. If you want to understand your God's life plan for you, start with listening to Him. Have you ever noticed how much you talk in prayer? So, well, duh, I'm supposed to talk in prayer. Well, how much time do you spend listening? you got a lot to say, but He has more. And what He has to say is far more important. You want to know what his life plan is? Number one, start with listening. Number two, the second thing about stewardship is, one, I listen to him. Number two, I lend to him. What does it mean to lend? It's to give back to him what he gave me. So, well, all right, I got stuff. I admit, I got stuff. And God can have all of the stuff that's in this pile, but I got some stuff over here. I really am not going to let that go. But he can have all this. Anything in this pile. You know, it's like a parent saying, yes, I can send my kids to the mission field. Here's the duds. That was funny and you didn't laugh. The duds, the kids who are bad. I'll give him those. What did you think I said? <sighs> Anyhow, now I have to build my own humor and then correct it. All right, here we go. I feel like I'm driving the struggle bus tonight. So... When I look at this, I can say, God, you can have all the unwanted things in my life, but I'm going to keep the stuff I like for me. But that doesn't work in stewardship. Right. Stewardship says I listen to him. Number two, stewardship says I lend to him. Number three, see, we're almost done with the first message already. See how quickly that went? Number three, I honor him. I put the spotlight on him. Peter had his nevertheless moment. Like, I've done everything, and I'm a professional fisherman. I know how to do this. And God said, yeah, but if you'll just lend me your boat, and now lend me your nets and your time, I'll return it back to you with a draft of fishes. <laughs> we toiled all night. I, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. Okay, so we did, and what happened? God kept his word. Peter honored him. What, how did he address the Lord? Master, if you're a slave of God, then he is your master. And everything you have is his. Right? Now we continue on with the second message, if you will. Here are stewardship lessons. And I want you to mark them down because you may not need them now but you may need them later. You may need these later when you're teaching your kids about the stewardship of their life and time. And you may need to remind yourself in a dark time of what really your life is supposed to be about. I read this whole passage in your hearing tonight and I came up with five specific things of lessons in stewardship. You say, why are you talking to us about stewardship? Because all of our life is committed to doing what God wants us to do. And if you're not on that path, you're the one who's struggling. 
if you're following God's plan for your life, then that means you just yield or submit it all to Him. Here's one of the five things I want you to mark down tonight. Here's a life lesson that Peter learned. Whatever God asks for, give. Whatever it is. Say, I don't have time to give time to God. I don't have a boat. My net, my labor, I can't do all of that. That's probably more won't than can't. But whatever God asks for, give. Say, yeah, boy, these young people really need to hear it. Their mom and daddies need to hear it. Whatever he asks for, give. I've seen kids go to camp, make a decision for Christ to come home and have their parents squash it. I've seen college-age students get a desire to serve God and go to Bible college and come home to only have their parents say, you're on your own if you go to Bible college. Whatever he asks for, give. Teach yourself this principle. Peter learned it. Yeah, he's, he, he, it was a trick. He, he asked for my boat, and then, then he asked me for my nets, and then he asked me for my time. But yes, but whatever he borrows, he returns better. So learn never to resist God. Whatever he asks for, give. Number two. Whatever God wants to borrow, lend. Why? Because He returns it bigger and better than it ever was and beyond anything that you could ever imagine. Lend Him your boat. Lend Him your belongings. Lend Him your time. Lend Him without hesitation. Just simply say, God, my whole life is here. I'm lending whatever you ask for, I'm going to give. And whatever you want to borrow, I am lending to you. Don't hold back. Don't hold back on your time nor your resources. Trust Him with everything. Number three, whenever God speaks, listen. You say, well, how does God speak today? It's through His Word. We come to church, we hear preaching from the Word of God. We hear from God in His Word. But whenever God speaks, listen. I think more, there are times where God will be indicating to us what to do and we're so busy yammering about everything else, we're missing what He's saying. We go, through, go to church to listen and we've got a thousand other things on our mind and Peter would declare to you, if I learned anything this day, is whenever God speaks, just listen to Him. Why? Because when God speaks, He can change your context, what you're going through right now. He can make your past completely forgotten. He can take your present and make it better. He can take your future and make a difference with it. He can take your tomorrow, your outlook, your outcome. He can change all of those things if you would just but listen. I'm stunned with believers who sit with fear and worry and wonder how in the world am I ever going to make it? And he's saying to us in his word, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. say, but I don't know about that one. I'm not sure. If the promise of God is true for your salvation, then the promise of God is good for your daily living. Whatever He wants to to say to you, just listen to Him. Maybe you should listen to Him like you ask your kids to listen to you. Number four. When God calls, follow. Follow. 
Can you imagine what the story was like when Mrs. Simon Peter saw him come home? How was work? Best night ever. Now, Peter, I've heard your fish stories before. Honey, I'm telling you, Jesus was in the boat. I can hear her. Peter, tell me you at least cleaned it off. Please tell me you, you, know, you didn't just scarve in the seat. Jesus was here. I mean, you really took care of him. Please tell me that. And fishes, honey, that we got so many fishes. Peter, I've heard your fish stories. We've got fish. We've got everything. And besides, I quit today. It's a whole lot to take in for Mrs. Peter. But whenever he calls, follow. Just simply follow him. You say, Brother O'Malley, I got, I'm, a, I'm a numbers person. I got to see it all. All you got to see is God. Remember one time I had a missionary. He's struggling through understanding, raising his support and figuring out what do I need for support and all these things. And he sent me, are you familiar with what a spreadsheet is, an Excel spreadsheet? So he sends me this Excel spreadsheet and say, the numbers aren't working out, Brother O'Malley. I picked up the phone and called him and said, you didn't put God in a cell. Where is God on your spreadsheet? Because at a certain point, if you're yielding to God, He can make a draft of fishes show up at any point when He calls you, just follow Him. So you're talking about to the mission field? I'm talking about anywhere. Follow Him when He just wants to get in your boat. Follow Him when He wants to just borrow your nets. Follow Him when He asks you to row. Follow Him and let Him get the glory. Follow Him and you'll realize what a wretched and dreadful sinner you are in the very presence of God as God manifests His glory and grace in your life. I don't think I know the Canavans. Maybe we met once, is that so? We did. But I'll tell you this, they're nothing. So how dare you say that? Are you nothing? Is Mrs. nothing too? Just a bunch of nothings. But what did you do? He called you followed. He spoke you listened. He asked to borrow and you lent. He asked you to give and you did. So well, where's the glory for them? This was never about them. This was always about Him. This was not the glory of the fishermen. This was the glory of God. Lastly, number five, and I just said that word lastly to just get you excited. When God promises, trust. He said, I promise a draft of fishes. And what did He deliver? A draft of fishes. Whatever God promises to you, you're alone in your quiet time with God, you're reading the Bible, the verse just leaps off the page and says, this is what I'm trying to tell you. Pay attention to this verse. You claim that promise of God. You cling to that promise. And you realize God is able to do what He said He's going to do. This thing is far bigger than us. You're not just here to work 40 hours a week to get vacation time, to go on vacation and live your life till retirement and collect your pension. That's not what this life is about. This life is about God gave me resources and I want to listen to Him and give Him what He asks. 
So whenever he speaks, listen. Whatever he asks for, give. Whatever he wants to borrow, lend. Whenever he calls, follow. And whatever he promises, trust him. You realize you could use your resources to send missionaries to the mission field? You realize you can use your resources to reach this community for Christ? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.